Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust. Member FDIC. All right, it's 1137. If you listen to the show with any regularity, you know that uh, I have my certain acts that I really, really like. And we've been talking about Blackberry Smoke for a long time. Some of you are introduced to them, probably hearing us talk about them on the show. Hanson. People knew about Hanson before I ever got to this market, pigskin. That was old school. Nice dropping, though. They're going to be here this summer. We should go together. Um, anyway, in all seriousness, next Friday, Tedeschi Trucks Band will be gracing the stage, and I mean that in all seriousness, at Simmons Bank Arena. And we had Derek Trucks on when they played here a couple years ago, Robinson. Well, they're in. They're playing the big venue now, buddy. They're moving on up. Tickets are still available at Ticketmaster or the Simmons Bank Arena box office if you're interested. And if you're not, well, frankly, you what, should be. What's wrong with you? Yes, thank you very much. You should get your head examined. Anyway, Susan Tedeschi is a busy woman writing music and taking care of a family and traveling the country, entertaining people. But she carved out 17 and a half glorious minutes for me yesterday. Man. And uh, I would have talked to her for another 35 if her publicist didn't tell her or tell me that we needed to wrap it up. <laughs> Apparently there are a lot of people who want to talk to her. It doesn't surprise me that much. Anyway, she is an absolute joy. So uh, here's a listen with Susan Tedeschi. Hi, Justin. Hi, Susan. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Oh, I'm so good. I'm so happy to have you on. I've been a huge fan of yours for a long time. Excited to come see the show next week. For those who All are, right. Yeah, for those who are just tuning in, uh, Tedeschi Trucks come to Simmons Bank Arena Friday the 28th, 8 o'clock. And I Am the Moon is the latest album. And, and Susan, a very unique album. I've, I've seen a couple of interviews with you and Derek talking about it. 24 songs, and it's arranged in sort of four parts. It's a very ambitious mm-hmm. effort. Just uh, give me kind of the thoughts on how you guys came to this and how this all came about, because it is a very unique approach. You know, it really came about because of the pandemic, and it was one of those things we were about to take three months off because, you know, we had lost Kofi Burbridge, and we were needing really some just downtime to kind of process the loss, you know, and and just to stop touring for a minute because we had been so busy for so long. And what happened was that pandemic came along, and then we realized we're not going to be touring, and well, what are we going to do during this time and how do we keep our minds active and how do we stay together as a band and how do we work, you know, and we're going to, you know, and we were going to find out a way to pay everybody no matter what. And, and we did, you know, and we um, put our thinking caps on and Mike Madison was really the the catalyst for the project. I think what happened was he was rereading like all the lyrics for the Layla record that we had just done live with Trey. And he said, you know, I noticed all of these songs are from his perspective. Like, what about her perspective? And should we go back to, like, the original Layla Majnun poem, you know, based on Nazimi from the 12th century? And should we read that poem and then, like, get some inspiration and maybe do it from a different point of view? And we're like, yes. And so we all read the poem, and then we all just started writing. And and the pandemic was a time of, you know, a lot of different feelings and emotions. So we were like, well... You know, the sky's the limit. You know, write whatever you're feeling, and you know if it relates somehow to the Layla Majnun or, you know, or to what's going on now in the pandemic. You know, I, it'll be a good catalyst of writing. So we basically all just started writing, and Mike wrote a bunch of songs. Gabe wrote songs. Derek wrote songs. I wrote songs. Falcon wrote songs. And so once we started recording and. Once we were able to get together, we met up at our farm. Everybody drove like 10 hours, 6 hours, 8 hours, whatever. Mm-hmm. Met at our farm, and then we decided to do like those uh, fireside sessions because we couldn't have the whole band together. We had people on the West Coast and all over the place in our band. 
but our core is mostly based out of Georgia and Florida, so, you know, and, and Nashville. So it was pretty easy for us to just kind of get together and get some of our ideas together, and we started writing and recording and getting some demos, and there was just so many great songs that we were like, well, shoot, this is too much for, like, a double album even, and that's kind of a lot when you give people so much, you know, all at once. It's really kind of hard to process. So we were thinking, we were, since it was the pandemic and we had some time, we actually had enough time to do all these things, you know, to write all this material and to record it and to, you know, get in our studio because our studio is in our backyard, so we didn't have to go anywhere for that, and just go in and do it. And we just had so many great things that we were kind of in that, you know, pandemic mode where we're watching like Mandalorian and they have these great 30-minute like little segments and you look forward to it each week when it comes out and and I was like, well, why, why can't we do something like that, where we, like, release something that comes out every, you know, week or every couple of months or so, I mean, every couple of weeks or something. And so we just kept putting our ideas together, and Derek's like, well, why don't we do it in episodes or, like, in, why don't we make four albums? Because the amount of material is actually perfect for, well, like, some of our favorite albums, he was saying, like, Jimi Hendrix, like, Axis Hold of Love is, like, 35 minutes, like, John Coltrane, you know, Love Supreme, like all these different records, they really have so much beauty and weight in 35, 40 minutes of music. And so once we made all these songs, we realized we had enough for four actual albums mm -hmm. and that we could make it, you know, all part of the same theme, but in different segments, you know. So that's just kind of how it came about. And then we kept going with it and then had you know, Alex Lambert do films for them, and then we decided to do them, like, where they all came out all at once, and we weren't going to give the radios any, like, any, you know, how, you know, how radio stations, you guys usually get, um, you know, a, a track that you can play ahead of time, you know, and we just weren't going to do it. We were going to do it differently and just have it be exciting and kind of, like, release everything kind of all at once. Mm -hmm. So people could just really experience it as a thing together. And since the pandemic was such a worldwide moment together, we just thought, well, why not? Like, let's do something that we're all tied in together. And, and it just really worked, and it was really fun and, and different and exciting. So that's really how that came about. And there's a there's a rhyme and reason to the flow, right? And I guess you guys kind of had a presentation on how you wanted to group the songs together, and you were pretty satisfied with the first offering. Did I hear that correctly? Yeah, actually, we had a friend that helped us with the sequencing because that was actually a really hard part, too. And um, and a friend of ours who's an educator here in Jacksonville, and he was, you know, really, he's a musician, too, but he was looking at it like, what it, what is the cadence of these songs? And, like, what are they minor? Are they major? Like, how do they go together? And, like, how do they sound together? And, and the keys and all this stuff. And they we just all, as a band, listened to his um, sequence and loved it, and so we just stuck with it. Yeah. Well, I'd say uh, home run. Pretty good work there. We're talking to Susan Tedeschi, if you're just tuning in. I want to take you back uh, earlier, and this is uh, – I told Derek the story when he was on with us a couple years ago, and I was trying to get his impressions of you and you guys kind of meeting each other and that kind of thing and your voice. I'm walking through a record store back when that was a thing in San Francisco in 1998, and I hear your voice on Rock Me Right – 
And my buddy and I were out there. We were shooting a, a TV story at the time, and we looked at each other, and we walk, walk up to the front desk. We're like, who is that person singing? It was my first impression of your voice, and it was so mind-blowing. And so I've been a fan ever since. How did you decide, like, this is what I want to do with my life? I mean, a lot of people grow up singing in the church. What were your earliest memories of singing, and when did you start thinking about, well, maybe I could do this. I'm pretty good at this. Maybe I can do this for a career. Yeah, so I started singing before I ever spoke, my mom said. I sang in the crib. I would make up songs in the morning. And then I started singing on stage at five. I was doing musical theater. I did four shows a year, straight plays in musical theater, um, every year until I was about 18, until I started going. And then I, at 17, I basically had like a little bit of a breakdown where I realized I needed to pick either acting or singing. I couldn't do both because it was just so much. And I just went for the music side and gave up the acting, and and it was really the best decision I had ever done. And one of the reasons I made the decision, too, is because when you are acting, you're being all these different people, and you don't really know who you are. And if you're growing throughout your whole life and acting, it's kind of confusing. You don't really know who you are and what you want. And so I figured if I went with music, then I could really start figuring out what it was I wanted and and, and how to shape you know, myself as a singer and and as a musician. So so that was some big things that happened for me. And then when I went to Berkeley, I realized, well, I, you know, I was kind of more of a folky and more, you know, into country and things like that. And then when I got there, I, w- I started to fall in love with gospel and blues music, and I auditioned for the Reverence Gospel and Choir and ended up getting in the Berkeley Gospel Choir. So that was huge. And and really started to form where my love of blues and gospel came from. Even though I, I have early memories of, you know, the staple singers and my dad playing me, you know, Mississippi John Hurt and Sunhouse and, and, and you know, all this great music, Lightning Hopkins and stuff. But but I grew up, you know, really into Bob Dylan and into songwriters, you know. Mm. Um, so it was kind of like a huge mix of things. And then when I finally got out of college, you know, I, I had a bunch of jobs singing in, like, a Top 40 band, a wedding band, and honestly, it just wasn't fulfilling, and it was really sad. So I decided to just quit and start my own blues band, and that was that was everything. I, I went from making $700 a gig to 13 and I didn't care. It was the best move ever, because <laughs> now I was finally playing music I loved and was passionate about, and then I started writing and writing my own music more in that genre. I mean, I've been writing already. I started writing as a teenager, but started really getting my own voice and figuring out what it was that that inspired me. And so that was a big, big move for me. Yeah, I, I was listening to, uh, I guess you and Derek did an interview too, and you talked about, uh, you know, getting together and, and being married for a while before you decided to do a band. And I, I think it had been maybe a couple, few years or whatever. You can correct me on that. But do you, did you guys travel and play on the same bills some with, with the Susan Tedeschi band and, and Derek's band beforehand? Yeah, well, what happened was I was opening for the Almond Brothers mm. in 1999. And Derek had just joined the Almond Brothers. So he joined in June of 99, and, and I started touring with them in July. And I had Double Trouble out with me. So I had Chris and Tommy, and I had this other kid, uh, Tom West from Boston on Oregon. And so the four of us went out and opened for the Almond Brothers. And that's how I met Derek. And I, I grew up a huge fan of the Almond Brothers, of course, and Eric Clapton and Cream and all, you know, a lot of classic rock, the Stones and, and different things like that. Grew up with Aerosmith and and a lot of these kind of bands, Peter Wolf and Jay Giles and stuff. But mm-hmm. it really wasn't until Derek and I started hanging out, we realized we had a lot in common. We loved Mahalia Jackson, and we loved, you know, um, 
a lot of different blues artists. You know, we both knew Buddy Guy and loved Buddy Guy and B.B. King. And, you know, and then it just went from there, you know, and then we just realized we also love sports. And, (laughs) you know, and we love, you know, and we loved a lot of the same music. And then we were turning each other on to different stuff. He turned me on to Sun Ra. I turned him on to Magic Sam, you know. And then from there it was just, you know, back and forth, just, you know, learning that we really cared about a lot of the same stuff and kind of were coming from that same place musically. And, and as you form the band, again, you know, there's so many different influences in Sadesky Trucks, which I love. So, you know, again, there's nothing homogenous about it. You get influences from all sorts of different genres of music, which is really cool, I think. So you can have fans yeah. from all sorts of different backgrounds. I'm curious about how you guys brought together the instrumentation of it all, you know, two percussionists and then all the horns. How'd y'all decide on how you wanted to make up the band with that? Well, so when we did decide to do the band finally, so we were married in 2001, had kids in 2002 and 2004, and I had my own band throughout all this time. He had his own band also and was in the Allman Brothers. And then in 2006 also had Clapton. So we had three, he had three bands, I had one band, and we had two kids, which was insane. (laughs) Um, And then we didn't start the band until the kids were a little bit older. So we started the band in 2010. So our kids were now eight and six, I guess. Yeah, eight and six. Um, so that was still kind of hard as a mom. But then musically, we just started thinking about musicians that we would want in a band. And he was like, well, you know, who? if you could pick anybody, you know, we we're thinking about a horn section uh, for tenor, who would you want? And I was like, Kevin Williams. He goes, that was my first choice. <laughs> so we actually knew people and had friends in common and had the same people that we would pick. So it was kind of funny. And then with um, our drummers, he really wanted to try out, um, there were a couple drummers he had heard of, Johnny, uh, JJ um, Johnson, who was from San Antonio and Austin, Texas. Um, he had played with a bunch of people that we knew, and he was fabulous. Um, and another one was Charlie Drayden who actually plays with Bob Dylan right now. He was somebody we were going to try to get in the band, but he was too busy. Um, And then it was one of those things where we just kind of kept going down the list. And then my old drummer at the time, Falcon, Tyler Greenwell, he said, well, maybe we should get Tyler and JJ. So then those two met on the drum kit in our studio. Like Falcon was already there playing along with us. JJ JJ came in, sat down, and they just kind of hit it off. And so we had JJ in the band from 20... 10 up until just um, right before the pandemic, like, well, right after that, uh, right before the pandemic, I guess a year before. Mm -hmm. So, So, oh, actually, no, he he actually was with us right up until it. So he was with us until February of 2020. Gotcha. So how how did you guys and how do you now balance the the home life? And I know you guys get to do some cool stuff in Jacksonville, too, but with the family and all that and touring, because you're out on the road a lot, too. How do you do all that? You know, it's kind of crazy. I mean, we had such a large band. And then also there was one other crossover person I was going to mention, Mike Madison, who was in Derek's solo band. And then now he's a main part of our, our Tedeschi Trucks band. You know, he writes a lot of amazing songs like Sound for Glory and mm. Midnight in Harlem and these things. But then, you know, a lot of us, like, for example, Mike and Derek and I and Falcon and Kevy, like, we're all parents. So we all have kids. And so, you know, we... I don't know, we're all pretty um, sympathetic to each other and understand, you know, the ins and outs of that. But also, we love each other and we love touring. And it's just a a lot of communication, you know, a lot of balance and 
you know, continuing to write and push each other. And, you know, this band is so outstanding that it really makes us all better. So, you know, there's a lot of balance between, um, you know, doing what we love to do and, and also, you know, making a living and, and being there for your family. So it's kind of a juggling act, but we, we've somehow figured it out. And we also, you know, we care a lot about our crew and we're very tight tight-knit kind of family. It's not like a lot of bands where it's maybe a four- or five-piece band and you have this crew and they don't talk or get along or anything. But we're all very, you know, close mm-hmm. and very together. There's a lot of communication, which isn't really the case all the time. I am uh, I think we're just about out of time. i got to ask real quick, because we're a sports station, about uh, your, your, I know you guys are Jaguars fans. you got a chance to sing an anthem. Um, but being a Boston native, are you, are you connected to the teams up there? You still root for Boston teams too? Yeah, well, so I've always been a Jaguar fan. So before I met Derek, I actually sang the kickoff party for the Jags because they hired Tom Coughlin from Boston College and they wanted a a Boston act. So I actually came down to Jacksonville in 95 and did the kickoff party. And then when I met Derek and got married and had kids here, I obviously became a Jaguar season ticket holder fan. I am still a Boston fan when it comes to the Bruins, the Celtics, and the Red Sox. But I'm also a Braves fan for National League because my kids and my husband are huge Braves fans. So I actually feel bad because I think I know their lineup a little bit better than <laughs> the Red Sox lineup right now. I got gotcha. you. <laughs> um, but, yeah, and we're both huge sports fans. Like, we both love everything. Like, we play fantasy football, and, you know, we'll do the brackets for basketball. And, you know, we both um, – that's something that we have in common, too, that is not actually always the case with musicians. And I actually just got back yesterday from North Carolina. I actually got to, somehow, I was asked to be a narrator for a new documentary coming up on NASCAR. Oh, and wow. the correlation of NASCAR and Merlefest. So Merlefest is in North Wilkesboro, North Carolina. And in Wilkesboro, it's interesting that where Merlefest is set up is right on the original first NASCAR track. And they just renovated it, and they're going to have some cup races coming up in May. So May 16 to 21, and then this documentary is coming out that same weekend. So it's going to be two nights on Fox Sports 1. And you can see me. I get to be the narrator. I love it. That's excellent. Well, good. Well, we get to... Yeah, and Derek and I met on the, on the NASCAR Rocks Tour with the Allman Brothers. So he was playing with the Allman Brothers, and I was opening up. How about and that? it was the NASCAR Rocks. It all comes back full circle. I love that. Uh, Tedeschi Trucks, Simmons Bank Arena, uh, and I'm looking forward to seeing you. I've seen you at Ryman. I've seen you at Robinson here in in Central Arkansas before. This will be the biggest venue I've seen you. I'm really looking forward to seeing the show. Tickets still available at Ticketmaster. You go by the Simmons Bank box office. Susan, we look forward to seeing you and Derek and the band next week. Thanks for coming on with us. Yeah, we're so excited. Thank you so much for having us. You bet. Take care. Okay, take care. Bye-bye. How sweet is she? 1156. That was Susan Tedeschi, if you're just tuning in. Tedeschi Trucks Band next Friday over at Simmons Bank. So, anyway, that one's a little self-serving, I admit, so I hope the listeners were okay with it. But uh, I really enjoyed talking to her, so hope you were okay with it, too. I enjoyed listening to that. Thank you. Yeah, good job. She's uh, she's pretty neat lady.